So, Stephen, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. When you say that you're going to start, do you really mean I'm going to start? Or this time, when you say you're going to start, you're going to start? I'll, I'll start. I'll start. <laughs> so, I'm not starting. <laughs> you're starting. <laughs> Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. We've got a few things to go over this week. Got uh, my compadre, Stephen, here with me. The yeah, market a- has been, you know, changing a little bit. You know, we're, we're, we're recording this episode kind of in the mid to, well, I would say more the end of January and a um, little bit of a shift recently. I mean, there's always opportunity everywhere, but, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot in Stocks to Trade Pro the last few weeks, uh, December and January, December to, to the middle of January was possibly the most insane six week run in my, that I remember in my 10, 10 years of day trading. I mean, yeah. the block, blockchain stocks, crypto yeah. stocks, I mean, especially end of December and first week of January. I mean, we actually had yeah. two to three, four, 50 to hundred percent runners every day. And I kind of joke about it. I think this last week is, I've called it kind of like a hangover period. I think, uh, a lot of traders were, were, were pulling long hours. I mean, because the wild thing was a lot of these blockchain plays, they were all running at 4 a.m. When, when, the, when the NASDAQ opened. So I think there was a lot of guys, put, I was, putting in a lot of extra hours. And things have slowed down a little bit. The blockchain stuff has kind of quieted down. Um, as of today, there's a bunch of bad Bitcoin news, exchanges getting hacked. Bitcoin prices down. So, so the market has pivoted a little bit, I think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think um, the, 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 the last month in December was a, an excellent, excellent, excellent month for shorting. Had me best month ever. First week of January was super, super good for longs. I think it must have knocked a lot of shorts right off the feet. Really knocked me off my feet. Um, if you don't adjust really, really quickly. But uh, the one really, the one good play, uh, the one, it, it was almost like too good to be true, LT, LTBR. Was it LTBR? Yes. LTBR? Yeah, LTBR. yep, yep. So, so yeah, LTBR was, again, this week's sketchy, sketchy, sketchy run. I mean, about, about as, I guess I would almost call it perfect short setup as you yeah, can get. Almost, really. almost too good to be true. I mean, yeah. and it's funny because I don't have that much experience um, and we'll, we'll get into the main topic of the, of the show in a second. And I'm excited to talk about Mike's interview, but LTBR, like when you, when you're new to the game and I'm still relatively new and um, it's like when you see news, there's, there's an alert about news coming, right? But it doesn't come at any time. It comes specifically at 4.30. When, it, yeah. no, when, when they know it's going to squeeze the stock price off, shorts are all going to cover. And, and, and this, no is a, this is a, a heavily shorted stock that ran, I think it was last week. It had been holding up, holding up, holding up. And yeah, sure enough, they check out the news. You could, you could do it in Stocks of Trade. You could do it at Yahoo Finance. But the news that came out at 4.30 was... They, they, I mean, it was the most vague. It was the news about news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they basically said, <laughs> we, we will be announcing something tomorrow. And that was it. With a, with a major corporate partner, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and we're going to announce it at 10.05. It's like, all right, so in the peak of the market traffic. And, uh, and for me, it was an absolute classic buy the room, I sell the news or short the news. Uh, and wait for the stock to go up. It was classic by the rumor seller news. So I looked into the fundamentals on the SEC balance. Company doesn't make any money. 
it loses money. Uh, they haven't got much money. And they've got an ATM out with 5.6 million, I think, 5.66 million to go, which is probably half of the market cap or the market cap. And I was just like, this is going to get dumped. And, and, and again, we, that at the point that this super vague press release about some news, maybe the next day, I mean, the stock was up a hundred percent on that went from two to four, I think roughly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let, let's talk through the trade because some, we, we actually get asked about this a lot and that's why, again, we'll, we'll get to Mike's interview, but I wanted to touch on this because you used, again, it was a nice trade. You used a technique that is scary, but, but is, it, but it, but is really, you know, if you're, if you're trading, uh, you know, at, at interactive brokers or some other brokers, you have to basically use this technique where there's only a certain amount of, of, of shares that can be borrowed. So yeah. you either you either short early and take the pain or you miss. There's really those are the only two opportunities. So so you did the former, kind of kind of lay out your trade and and what your thought process was because you knew you were probably going to get squeezed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think there's a. I'm not sure if it was I was hearing it in the interview coming up or if I heard it from someone else, but there was a famous Tim Grattani quote. I think it was from Ian. You're saying you've, I think it's in this interview. Said you've got to have a plan and stick to your plan. And don't let other variables in. I think it's in the interview with Mike. And, and I was listening to the interview, which is coming up, and I was like, that's exactly it. You've got a plan. You've made a thesis. Stick to it. You know that you're going to get squeezed. You know you're going to go through the pain, but stick to it. So I was, I was up at about 5 a.m. Eastern um, time, and I knew uh, LTBR ran, and I was watching it, and I was thinking, when, once I'd looked into the fundamentals, I was like, it's up at 4 uh, it's, it's, but by the time it got to about 6 a.m., I was thinking that I knew there was only a thousand shares left at IB. So I took 600 of them uh, at $4. And I knew loads of people were going to chase it. I knew it was by the rumor, sell the news, and the rumor still hadn't materialized into the news. So I knew that. Because, it, because the, yeah, the, 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 the press conference was at 10. Yeah. So, so, so at this point, your theory was that this thing will, will run into the press conference. The press yeah. conference will probably be nothing. Say nothing. Yeah. And then the stock will crack. <laughs> yeah, and it'll get dumped. And then they'll dump all of the ATM shares as well. But I was thinking, even like my thesis was, even earnings winners aren't rising 100% on the day. Even contract winners, unless it's mm-hmm. amazing contract news, don't run 100% on the news. So no matter what the news is, it's going to go down because it's already priced in. And if it's or, no or, news, or, or even it's Or even worse, or, or worst case scenario, maybe the stock just goes sideways and you stop yeah. out late day or something yeah yeah so 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 if it's great news uh i've got squeezed a little bit and i'll stop out but if it's no news like i think it is it's going to drop like a bomb and yeah I, I, my only regret is not uh, covered in the 360s 340s 320s which is taking a dollar a share right nearly, <laughs> on the way down but like i just wish to god i, I held all the way to the bottom <laughs> I don't because remember. I mean, it, what, how low did it, I think it? I think it went under the threes, didn't it? Did it go under two ninety five to to it two ninety five two ninety and it bounced somewhere in there? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I found out later, Ducks was in it, and Ducks it it covered right at the bottom of the ton, and I was just like, oh, well, it's whatever. He's a little outlier. So that, <laughs> so that was really, but I don't like guessing the market. You know what I mean? You should have patterns, and you should stick to the patterns. I don't like guessing things, and I, there's a fine line where I'm like, if I get squeezed here. And it goes to six and I'm wrong. 
because I I know that Warrior Trading was buying at buying buying the multi day breakout, and he's probably bagged everyone. Um, not sure how much we can say about that, but <laughs> I know he was buying it. I mean, what if he'd squeezed it all the way up? He, he was right. buying at market open, and, and, he, and it got slammed down. But it dropped a dollar a share in the first two minutes. God, God help everyone following him on his channel. But um, it, it could have gone to six. It could have gone to seven. It was scary. Yeah. Again, you know, the, the, this this the, the strategy I want to talk about is you know you're doing this quite frequently, right? Where you're up against the fact that there are, you know, you're, you're looking at the number of borrows available. You're yeah. seeing that shrink, 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 shrink. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's quite frequently the trades you make every day, right? I mean, you're, you're looking at yeah. this big runner, whether it be a biotech or whatever, on, on, on dubious news or no news, and you see that rapidly shrinking pool of shares and, and, and you're basically grabbing those. Yeah. Yeah. Before the runner, I do it every morning. And I, that's why I'm always trading pre-market because you can't get the borrowers after. But the thing is though, what I've really learned is that if, if there's quite a high resistance level and the stock's not likely to push through it and there's not very much volume pre-market and the volume doesn't increase, how on earth is the stock ever going to push through a major resistance level with not very much volume? Mm-hmm. So as long as the volume stays low, anyone who got squeezed is just going to reshort or new shorts will come in. Um, and longs, if they see a downtrend in short, they're not going to, they're not going to buy. So slowly the buyers will slowly sell and sell and sell. Think it's going lower and lower and lower. The shorts will get more confident thinking it's going down in pre-market. Uh, and the people who've been squeezed to make it go up on the news in the first place, uh, they've all covered in the first place. So for me, it's totally logically win, win, win all areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know we kind of, we, we, uh, politely argue, or friendly argue <laughs> about the long versus short battle. But I tell you what, the reason, and, and we'll get to Mike's interview here, but the reason I wanted to talk about LTBR is I loved that idea. I mean, it was such a good short. Yeah, oh, too good to I be mean, true I mean you, you, don't, you don't get many setups like, like that. that. I mean, uh, no. now I hope we get more of them, but only. Yeah. You know, I was like, once, no way. I was yeah, like, once no way. A, once a year, once once every six months, once a quarter, do you get a, a, an ideal setup like that? Nah, like I was chatting to some of my friends, and they're like, "I'm gonna go along," and I'm like, "Guys, like seriously, just trust this." My, I was like, "My biggest regret will not be taking more size. That's my biggest regret, not going bigger." And I, I knew that would be my regret, but whatever. Yeah, and actually, it's it's funny. I'm looking at it today. BSPM again. We're recording on. The 26th, yeah. Um, BSPM, same. I mean, it's just low float runner with no news, but impossible to borrow. So ridiculous. This, and impossible I mean, to buy. Impossible to chase as well, because you never know when it's coming down. So it's yeah. no trades. <laughs> but I wish, especially, again, it's midday right now. This thing's just fading. I wish it was easier to borrow, but it is what it is. So. Yeah, but um, I mean, you obviously interviewed Mike. There was a couple of really, really, really good things that I took from it, um, and that I think the audience will like a lot. Yeah, so uh, let, let me let me kind of set it up, and then and yeah, then I'll let you kind of give your input. So last week was uh, I, I quite frequently help out at the Tim Sykes Market Mastery events, which are you can Google it if you're listening, but it's a cool event because. Um, it's a, it's basically, it's a small group. I, I, I typically, I think there's usually 12 to 15, uh, students there and we're all in a conference room, got the projector up. 
and 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 it's like a workshop i would say for trading so so the great thing is we get all kinds of people a lot of international people there you know there's people literally from all over the world there and the great thing is it's not just you know if you go to the big events and you'll see a speaker up there and it's 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 like a one-way thing because if you're presenting to 500 people you obviously can't interact with the audience the great thing about the market mastery is it's one it's well not i keep trying to say one-on-one but it's a small group and the neat thing is you see attendees learning from other attendees one of the reasons we chose to interview Mike is Mike did a, 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 a bunch of teaching at this event. A lot of the people were very interested in his style and picked up a lot from him. So, No, and he said, I mean, again, and I've obviously done a market mastery as well out in Italy, which was probably a very, very, very nice, luxurious sentence. And it's funny because um, – you're like looking at Tim Sykes and he's talking and you're like, where's the video? <laughs> where's the video? Because <laughs> you're so used to watching webinars and videos. And like, like, wow, it's, it's real. And he's a lot taller than you expect when you meet him. That's, that's one thing. <laughs> he's much taller. He's much taller and he's got just as much energy, if not more, on the video. So it's kind of funny. But now, <laughs> go on. But, oh, oh, I mean, the, oh well, the, I was going to say, and the cool thing was, you know, uh, again, you get live trading at these events. So I can't remember, it was a week ago, but I can't remember the exact numbers, uh, but I believe, you know, Sykes made around, I think, 3K in one day. I mean, you can see that live. He's explaining it. And, and, and again, it's not like, like you said, the webinars are great, but you can't, you can't ask a question. When you've got 12 people in the room, yeah, everybody's yeah. asking questions, you're interacting. And then the neat thing is you see a lot of people kind of, what I would almost call breakout sessions where they're discussing their thoughts. Maybe they're not making the same trade as Sykes, but they're kind of discussing together what they're thinking about it. So no, but, and, and honestly, um, the, the networking element of it, I mean, when I, when I went to, um, the, the last mastery, it, I would honestly say it increased me, the, it increased me learning, but like tenfold the, the time period. Because yeah, you, you got to the, the benefit you had is you, you got to learn, you know, meet Roland and learn from Roland. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and like I would sit with Roland, and uh, luckily we're in Italy, so we could like have beers and talk, which was like my favorite thing because it's like learning while drunk um, <laughs> in the sun in Italy. Um, but yeah, like I, I made so many brainwaves. I was like, Roland, what about this? And what about that? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this happens? And what about these trades that I've made? It's, it's unbelievable the difference it can make with experienced traders. And you also find that you don't have to be a genius to make money because a lot of the people who make money are just like normal people <laughs> who've so- been in the game. So I did the interview with, with, with Mike. Um, we, we kind of, I think it was about lunchtime. We, we broke out and, and I kind of got a, a outline of his journey and where he's at in his trading. So you weren't there, but you listened to it. Kind of what did you yeah. like about it? What did you take away from it? Yeah, a lot, a lot. I mean, I, I was really, really, because uh, when I first was going to listen to it, I was like, oh no, I've only got an hour and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. But then when I started listening, I was like, I don't know if I've got time for this. But then when I started listening, to it, it was like a not put it down. I thought it was really, really inspiring, really, really interesting. And it took so many takeaways. The, the fact that he started with $20 and invested it into six different accounts. He was clueless at the beginning. But look at, look at where he is now making 3K, making 10K. Uh, the fact that he was referencing the gap and go. He, he, the way he approaches trading is 
having specific predefined strategies. He's got specific patterns that he follows. He went for the gap and go. He tested it. Maybe he didn't get the best results. Then he went to another pattern. Then he went to another pattern until he found one that worked. But he's not trading random all different setups at all different times thinking, why am I losing? He's specifically learning the intricacies of a single pattern. And that is one of the most important things anyone can learn. Uh, you only lose when you do daft random stuff. Uh, the other, I, I could go on and on and on, but the fact that, funny that he was saying, he read in a textbook, people say technical analysis doesn't work. Of course, technical, technical analysis works, especially on the lower floats. Uh, and, and personally, for me, last thing, because I know I'm rabbiting, but I'm pretty inspired by it. Uh, the last thing was he said that it was one step forward, two steps back in the first six months. And then, no, it was one step forward, two steps back for, for two years. His account mm-hmm. was 25K when he built it. Uh, and then two years later, it was still 25K. And it's okay to not be Roland. It's okay to not be Stephen Docks. The majority, the vast, vast, vast majority of people will take two years even just to get it. And then they'll start rapidly accelerating. Yeah, I talk about the, you know, I've seen it so many times being involved in, you know, in day trading. I've I've been helping, I've been recording videos on trading for eight years now. And you see that, that I call it, obviously I didn't coin the term, but it's that hockey stick of growth where, where you're, you're at the, you're at the base of the hockey stick for a year, two years, sometimes longer then you hit that vertical point on, on the hockey stick. Yeah, and because honestly, like sometimes I'm like, I'm worried I'm on YouTube and I'm like, oh God, uh, people are going to be like, why aren't you getting it faster? You're never going to get it. You're never going to get it. And, but you, like, I know that, I mean, God, I'm, pro- I'm probably green about 25 weeks out of the last 26. Just had one catastrophic red week in January, which blew, blew, blew a couple of grand. But like, you've got to think like, where was I six months ago? Where am I today? Where am I going to be in the next six months? Like, it is a five-year plan. He said he had a 10-year plan. Mm-hmm. His, his dad told him, have a 10-year plan. You've got to have a five-year plan. You cannot think, oh, I didn't get it in six months. I didn't get it in a year. I didn't get it in one and a half years. It's a five-year commitment. So uh, what we'll, we hope, you guys, so we're going to queue up the interview with Mike. Again, I recorded this at Tim Sykes Market Mastery. So we're going to jump over to that. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. And welcome back, Stephen. Glad to see you back. Um, and, and, and I loved that, that LTBR short. Now, that is a short idea I can agree with. So. What was your favorite takeaway from the interview? Just to finish, I'm sorry. You, you, you wrapped get, that up so well, Tim. I, you wrapped that up so well. No, I think you know sorry. my my favorite was exactly his mindset that he he never he never he, well he started out thinking that he was going to make a bunch of money with a twenty dollar account, but then yeah. he quickly evolved into having the long mindset. You know, you know he has a plan. He has a plan to move to London. He has a plan all the way down the road. And, and I'm sure some listeners to, to the podcast get sick of me saying, have a plan 500 times an episode. But um, if, if there's the one biggest thing that I took away from Mike was, was that, that just so like important. you said, yes. So important to have a plan. Like today, I, I didn't say any stocks that I liked, so no shorts. So I just shorted ATOS. I was just nearly down $300. I've just, I've just got it all back because it came back down. <laughs> And I was like, what, what the hell did I just do that for? <laughs> like, what the hell did I just do that for? Because there was no patterns. None of me patterns are there. I'll just short ATOS, average up and get squeezed. What is, 
have a plan. It's so easy not to, though. It's so easy not to have a plan or just to disregard it because you're bored until you get bent enough times. <laughs> so, again, thanks, everybody, and check out the interview yeah. with Mike, and we'll see you next time. Here with Michael. Uh, like, nice to meet you, Michael. Met you the other day. Uh, what we like to do is kind of feature a lot of up-and-coming traders, get to know you yesterday, learning your trading style. I know you had a good day yesterday. We'd kind of like to know a little bit of your background, what you're trading, what, what brought you here. We're here in Miami at the Market Mastery. What, uh, what got you started in trading? What are you doing? What brought you to it, et cetera? So, so uh, my name is Michael. Some of you may know me as Huddy in the chat. I'm 23 years old, from San Francisco, currently studying finance and economics at the University of San Francisco. Uh, I've been trading for about two and a half, going on three years okay. right now, uh, and it's been just a crazy, crazy process. Now, how would you, you know, I always like to know the origin story, you know, how to, yeah, how to, you know, like the, I read a lot of comic books when I was young, so what, uh, you know, what got you started, what, what brought you to the markets? Good question. So, I was uh, sitting in my sophomore year of college, and my friend had just invited me to an app called Robinhood. Yep. He okay. said it was in the beta version, and he said, look, you could trade stocks, it's commission-free, uh, and you just do it. So that day, he invited me. I threw in 20 bucks. I was bored in class, so I Googled, you know, penny stocks. I only had 20 bucks in my account, so what can I buy? I sure. said, you know, what, is, uh, what, are, what are the top you know, finance people investing in? Where, where is uh, you know, Berkshire Hathaway? Where, where are they? And so I diversified twenty dollars into six different stocks. Oh, really? That's awesome. And how, how, end, how, like 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 penny penny stocks or, uh, or what? you know however I from from I had a twenty dollar account and I filled twenty dollars with six different stocks. <laughs> okay. So you know very small positions. Sure. And at the end of the day, I made two four cents. Okay. <laughs> and I was pissed off. I, I thought to myself, you know, how am I ever going to make money? And you, and you had like way higher expectations. Way higher. Yeah. <laughs> so then I started saying, okay, what are realistic expectations? I started Googling and I said, you know, what do the best hedge funds make in a year? 20 to 30% if they're on top of their game. And I said, okay, 20 to 30% on $20 is six bucks. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I, if I pick the best stock, I'm going to make six bucks. And I didn't like that. Right. So then I started looking through the percent gainers for the day, and I started seeing some stocks that were up 30%, 50%. And then I saw a stock called VLTC, yep. uh, which was Carl Icahn. He invested in it, uh, took a 52% share stake. Stock went from $0.50 cents to 20 something. Yeah, that's back. We're back a couple years ago when we, we called them the billionaire plays yes. were hot, and VLTC yeah. was one of them. Yep. And uh, that really sparked my interest because I was seeing on Twitter and stock twits that people were long at 2 bucks, and, and they knew to be long, and they were selling at 20 and making thousand percent gains mm -hmm. and i'm the kind of person that thinks if someone else can do it there's no reason that i can't sure do it. sure that's always one of the things i talk about is and that's why we do these podcasts is is i mean it is truly accessible to anybody mm -hmm. you know anybody can do it if you want to work hard and you want to study but yeah it's accessible literally to anyone so so then as a normal sophomore in college would do instead of sitting through business ethics and listening to the ethical rules of business, I started Googling stuff. I started Googling, uh, you know, how to, I, the first thing I landed on was a, was a gap in, uh, it's, it was the name, I forget, but, you know, stock gaps up and it breaks pre-market highs and you buy. Like a gap, gap and go or something. Gap and go, yeah, yeah, something like that. And I started with that strategy and realized that that wasn't really refined. And in life, I've always been taught to find mentors, find someone who's made the mistakes that can teach you uh, to not make those mistakes because right. you can learn from them. And somehow I ended up on Tim Sykes' challenge website. Sure. Probably and from so, Googling penny stocks yeah. or something like that. Yeah. 
And so I applied and I wrote this whole cover letter about the kind of person I was and I got accepted. And so that started my career. I think it was 2015. And then had you had like, I mean, obviously you're a finance major, but had you had like any interest in stocks or was it more just your buddy getting your Robin Hood? So I was an entrepreneurship major before this, this year of sophomore year, I was an entrepreneurship major. Okay. I got invited to Robin Hood. I found Tim Sykes by, and I started studying the market for six months before ever putting any money in. Nice. And by the time that that six months had completed, I thought to myself, okay, I'm learning something that's not necessarily what they're going to teach me in school. I'm learning the logistics and technicalities of how the markets work and how the buyers and sellers influence each other, supply and demand psychology. School is going to teach me something like the Gordon Growth Model, the fundamentals, how to arrive at you know, a, a sound company, whether it's undervalued, whether it's overvalued. And so I figured I'm going to change my major to finance and economics so that I can understand the macro conditions, the fundamental conditions, and then learn the logistics of the market through Tim Sykes and yourself and the other mentors. Right. And that's a great way to approach it because, you know, I talk about fundamentals every day, but ultimately these stocks we say we don't care, but we do care. You know, we, we care. We know that many of them will fail. We know that they're all sketchy stocks, but there's a scale, you know, on these, you know, whether it is a hot stock in a marijuana sector that we've been trading the last few days or blockchain or something like that. Ultimately, we know the fundamentals are no good in any of these, but if it's the right place at the right time and you have that market education that a guy like Sykes will teach you, They'll, you'll never learn that in a school anywhere. Right. They, I mean, they might talk about irrational exuberance, but they don't talk about you know, <laughs> everybody. When you're looking at level two and you see everybody wanting in this stock and you're looking at Twitter and everybody wants in, mm-hmm. they'll never talk about that. You'll never learn that. So, Half the professors don't even understand that yeah, in the exactly. first place. You know, they're taught different. They'll call charts and technical analysis mo- you know, mumbo-jumbo. But. And I was actually reading in my, in my textbook this last semester, I was taking financial statement analysis. And there was the strong market hypothesis, uh, hypothesis theory, the, the middle, and then the weak. And the weak hypothesis, hypothesis well, theory said that technical analysis does not, statistically does, is not accurate. You right. cannot use it in a textbook. And I was thinking to myself, holy crap, like you might be right, but you know, how carefully did you test that? Did you test that for lower float stocks exactly. and take out all the hyper frequency hedge fund trading, fundamentally traded around stocks? Just go into the thinly, you know, low float stocks. And I think technical analysis makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that the textbook teaches that it doesn't, but once you focus in on your niche, well, it does. Right. And, and they're looking at, you know, in my opinion, they're looking at stuff that, that doesn't apply to, you know, one of the reasons you, you came to a $20 Robinhood account and came to these low price stocks is, I mean, these are, you know, people they're looking to, unfortunately, get rich quick. So there is a lot of psychology going on here that you're never going to talk about in a, in a class, in a, you know, in a college setting because they don't think about that mania. They're thinking about wanting to find the next Microsoft and hold it for four years or something like that. We don't do that. And a lot of beginner traders do that. Yes. You yep. know, they find a penny stock and they're like, oh, this is the next penny stock. And- yep. And, and my history was, you know, I, what brought, I've had a lifelong interest in finance going back to elementary school. And I tried the textbook manner. You know, mm-hmm. I tried the, the value investing. I read all of the Can Slim books, all the William O'Neill stuff. I subscribed to Investor's Business Daily. Right. And I was right there with you 
well, I never had a $20 account, but I was, <laughs> but I was right there with you. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm doing all this stuff that I'm supposed to do and I'm making a couple percent, yeah. maybe 5%. Maybe I'm break even. And that's what brought me to find, find guys like Sykes is I'm like, there's got to be a better way because people are getting rich in the stock market and they ain't doing it at 2% a year or 6% a year. Right. Or even, I mean, sure, if you have a billion-dollar hedge fund and you make 20%, that's $200 million. That's good money. But I don't have a billion-dollar account. So so now you're you're on the journey. You're, I, I, you must have done something to get your account above twenty bucks. Did you, did you put more money in, or how, how so, did you? How did you? What, what was the next step? The whole story. <laughs> so it started out that my dad gave me five hundred dollars after I got the twenty dollars. My, I, I asked my dad for five. Okay. And he said yes. And for six months, I didn't really touch the five hundred at and all. And he knew you were going to trade with it. That was that was the goal. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I didn't touch the five hundred for the first six months. I. I, every day I would wake up at 6 a.m., I would nice. watch the stock market, and I would send a picture of a stock up 2 to 300% at least two or three times a week. I'd send it to my dad. And I, I was going to say this earlier, but like, so I just, I want to, I just updated on my resume as one of my key traits, opportunity seeker. Mm-hmm. I, I go out, I find opportunity. So every day that I saw there was an opportunity that a stock was blowing up 300%, I didn't know how to play it at the time. Sure. But still, Dad, look at this stock. It's up 300%. I mean, if I captured just you know, a, a portion of that, right. I'm making great money. And so I kept sending them those. I kept sending them those for six months. And I still really hadn't. I wasn't in the Tim Sykes thing yet. I was still just winging it. Well, I'll and, tell you real quick. That is great. And if any anyone's watching this, that is a, a, such an important lesson right there. So many people just want to go, 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 go. And, and to take that six months... And even though you had a trading account now to not trade, that puts you in a very, very small yeah. percentile. It was tough. It was tough. <laughs> well, especially as you're taking these pictures of these 300% runners. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a lot of FOMO, but it was okay. I knew there was an end goal and I knew nothing. You know, Rome wasn't built overnight. Sure. Right? It takes a while. So I had that 500. Pretty soon, I was able to con my dad into 1,000. So upped it to 1,000. And I started trading on Robinhood with 1,000 bucks. And where are we at roughly now? This is six months in, uh, call it 2014 summer. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair enough. I just 2014 summer putting together a timeline. So, <laughs> um, 2014 summer, I start actually trading. I'm using the gap and go strategy, uh, without scanners. Cause my Mac wouldn't run it. And I was just really using stock twits and very, very unprepared, uh, sure. <laughs> unequipped. And I made 200, I lost 200, I made four, I lost four. You know how it goes. Yep. And that wasn't working. So I went out to find more, and that's when I actually found Tim Sykes. Okay. And so I found Tim Sykes. Uh, I put in all the studying. I went on a trip with my dad to uh, Europe. And this whole two weeks that we were there, I was able to talk to him, tell him what I was doing for the past six months, tell him about my major changes, and tell him that this is something I really want to pursue. I see a lot of opportunity here. Now, now just curious, and you don't have to, did your dad ever do any trading? Did he no. ever? No, no, okay, all right. He's okay. a real estate guy. He doesn't own stocks. He doesn't. I don't but he, know. Okay, so real estate, so what he understands in investment, investment and speculation. And sure. big, big picture. Sure, sure. You know? yep. um, and so after this trip in... August that I was with him and I'm a Tim Sykes student and I've been watching the market for six months now. He gave me my first investment of 25k. Okay. I said I wanted to be over Ooh. PDT. Yep. 
Uh, I told him, I, you know, I had no plan in losing it overnight. I had no plan in using all 25K in any one trade. I had no plan in margin. I just wanted to be able to trade. Which is, which is a good idea, you know, that I would call it the Tim Gratani method. Yeah, I told him that it's just a bank account and you trade. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, might, yeah. it might lose some money, it might grow some money, but it's not going to go to zero overnight. And that, that was something I always have admired about Gratani's story is he borrowed that money from his parents, but he never used it. He only used his original capital, but he, you know, he had that so that he could open up multiple counts so right. he could make multiple day trades. It's right. Up, so. so that's pretty much what I did. Okay. And it took from then, I mean, we can kind of fast forward, but for the next two years was, you know, the learning curve. Sure. For two years, I two one step forward, two steps back. You know, Which make is standard. A, yep. Yeah. Make a grand a day, lose a grand five the next day. <laughs> and so for, for two years, my, my account stayed stable. Uh, and, and it was tough. You know, every, every four months I would, I would call my dad. I said, dad, I'm, I'm really getting good now. I'm really getting good. And four months later, I'd call him again. No dad, now I'm really getting good. <laughs> and for two years I did that. <laughs> and I still call him. I go, dad, now I'm really getting good. Right, right. And, uh, so it's just been this long process of really understanding, you know, watching it every day and repetition, repetition, just like you're putting them 10,000 hours like uh, yep. like Malcolm Gladwell says, or sure. you know, you're taking your free throws, whatever it is. got to watch, got to get the repetitions. And it took two years for me to start really understanding the chart movements uh, that were going on and, and focusing on certain days that made sense and not trading the days that didn't fit any patterns. And it just, it took two years, is what I'm really trying to say, it took two years to white out the 90% of the stuff that I shouldn't be touching. Because... When, especially for me, a young kid who is technically diagnosed with ADHD, whether you okay. believe in that or not, I'm trying to trade everything. Sure. I was all over the place. Well, thought, that's, that's everybody. And yeah, and if you've got ADHD on top of it. Yeah, and next mean, thing you know, yeah. I'm in Tesla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, one point, at one point, I bought Tesla at 146, like two years ago. And I sold it at 150. Not realizing I was in Tesla at the time, and that would have been a great long-term investment. Oh, sure, yeah, 350 but, right now. Yeah. Right, so that's the whole, I was all over the place. I sent Mark Crook all my trades. He said, Michael, you're, you're in a bunch of large-cap stocks, and that's where you're taking your biggest losses. Just look. Sure. Why are you trading large-cap stocks? When have I taught you to trade large-cap? And I was like, all right, you know, Mark, you're right. I don't know why I'm doing that. And so I stopped. I, I narrowed down my focus into the actual patterns that were taught in, you know, in the specific day that they happened, not... Three days later, where now it's at that price. No, the day that it needed to be is where I needed to start focusing. So, and, yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and that's something I think, again, that is so often overlooked. I tell this story all the time, but it's like you can, with a, with a smartphone and 500 bucks, you can start trading today. I yeah. mean, I mean we, could, we could have the cameraman over there can start trading today. I see it on the bus all the time. People it, are just looking exactly, at their phones. Yeah, and, and, but no one, and the problem is, it is possible to be profitable day one, but you have to be an extreme outlier. And the biggest things that I like is that you took that six months and you left that 500 bucks rotten in the account. And then once you got the capital, you still just took that long-term approach and you didn't expect to turn 25K into 500,000 in a year. You know, there are rolling wolves, but there's very few of those. And that's why I talk about looking at charts till your eyes bleed. Yeah. I mean, you just got to see it see it, see it, and then eventually it starts clicking and you start avoiding the Teslas and all this other yeah, stuff. Because so. there's better opportunity. Yes. Yep. So, and to go off the ducks and the Roland, I mean, seeing their success is just absolutely amazing. That's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, they've been such a great help to me personally in the chat, just seeing their trades, understanding the chart and going off of that. And as a trader that had been in the game for so long and to see these newer traders 
doing so much better than me was at one level inspiring, but another level really the opposite. Sure. It's just yep. like I was getting down on myself because now these guys are doing it and I'm still being left in the dust. Uh, so that was really interesting to see, but it also, like I said, was a huge help and influence because of their commentary in the chat and their video lessons that has improved my trading. Yeah, I always say when you look at those extreme outliers, it's anything. It could be sports, it could be business, it could be trading, but you know, use them as inspiration. Know that that's the possibility, but you're in trading. It's just you. There's, there, it's only you versus you. You control your losses, you control your gains, you control what you do every day. So be inspired by those guys, but never hold yourself to some different standard because they're doing things that you're not. I mean, if you're profitable, this the thing is, if you're profitable, you're in the top 5% already. If you're not in the top 0.0001%, that doesn't mean you're not a good trader. That doesn't mean you're not growing. I mean, you're a young guy. I mean, you got 80 years to trade, 70 years, however long you live. I mean, you're so far, so early in the journey yeah. to be profitable. So it's exciting. Yeah, it is. I tell you, I I, uh, I I talk about on Stocks to Trade Pro a lot that I'm like, man, you know, I'm an old man. I didn't have the internet when I was your age. Must have been you so know? different. Yeah, it was like you know, I always had an interest in technology, always had an interest in trading, mm-hmm. but in 1992, well, or when I was your age, 1996. I mean, I couldn't get an E-Trade account. Right. I couldn't get online. Couldn't look at a chart. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if, if you got the Wall Street Journal, it was all just tickers and And, and you're places. making some calls to put yeah, in some orders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and where do I start? Yeah, with the pay phone. Yeah. <laughs> I had a cell phone, but it was a bag phone. Right. But, but uh, so I always talk is, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of, of, I wish... I could have gotten started at, at 23, and especially in this market. This market environment, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like there's 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 never been. I, I've been in this game for 10 years, and you know, 2007, 2008, 2010, those were good years. But 2014, 2015, 2016 is just incredible. Yeah. So, and if you've got those skills and you've got that discipline, then you've, I mean, you've got a skill that you can use the rest of your life. And you know, it's nice because over the two years, it's it's. You know, thinking back, that was all preparation for like recently we just had the Bitcoin and the pot mm-hmm. stocks blow up. And I have seen this happen, whether it's the shipping sector with yep. dries or whatever it was, AQXP, uh, ZB, there's so KBIO, many. KBIO, yeah. I remember all of them blowing up and I wasn't prepared at the time and I missed them. And yeah, there was FOMO and yeah, maybe I lost some dollars here and there. But now, two years later, when they happened again and they went through their cycles, I was ready to yes. strike. Yeah. And, and I made the. the so I make good profits off of it. <laughs> now, what? Uh, where are you? So now we're up up to present day. You know, kind of like where are you at in your profitability? Like where is your trading at right now? So I joined Tim Sykes. Let's say August 2014. So August 2016 was no. I joined August 2015. Yeah. So August 2017 was my two year. This past August was two years. And that's when I started noticing a difference in my profitability. That's when it started becoming, I never, my, my due diligence is not as good as it should be. I can admit that. <laughs> sure. But I started tracking my daily profit loss. And I started realizing that four to five days I was profiting. And my one loss would be a little bigger than I wanted. Sure. But still, it was four days of good trades and then one day of bad trades. Yep. And that was different than the one step forward, two steps back. Now we're going four steps forward, two steps back. Exactly. Yep. And that was... That bred, that bred some confidence. That, that bred, I, I knew what I was doing at this point. It had been so long that I could now take what was working and what I was really doing well at 
and focus on that. Mm -hmm. And so then starting in August, I went through all of Tim Grittani's webinar videos. I watched every single one. Then I watched all of Trading the Tickers. What I love, again, is you found you were consistent. You were found you were growing as a trader, but yet you still went back and did more fucking homework. Oh, That's yeah. what I love. Because again, with trading, so often people are like, oh, I got it. I don't, I don't need to watch video lessons. I don't need to read books. I don't need to review my trades. I got it. But it's repetition. Yes. It's, yep. it's the free throws. It's, you got to yep. keep taking the shots. Yep. So I started rewatching all of Tim Grittani's webinars. I mean, I bookmarked every single one. And every day when the market would close I, or when I was bored at night, I would just I would watch the webinars. And then an interesting idea dawned on me. I saw so many plays starting to repeat themselves that going September, October, November, whenever I saw a certain setup, I would go match that setup, whether it was in trading the tickers or in one of his webinars, I would go watch him trade that exact same setup. And so that the next day when I got to the market, I would literally trade it the exact same way he did six, a year ago, two years ago, whatever it was, and it started working out. And so that was really big. So now I, I ended up watching Trading the Tickers, I think, five times through. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't just, you know, start on chapter one, go to chapter nine, but it was, okay, I have a multi-day breakout right here. I'm going to watch multi-day breakouts this tonight, and then tomorrow I'm going to be prepared. Or mm-hmm. I have an overextended gap down, so I'm going to watch the overextended gap down tonight, and then be prepared tomorrow. And that was, you know, just, it gave me a really calm head going into the market. Um, and then I started... Well, and it's nice, I'm, I'm sure from your perspective... To kind of close that loop because here, I mean, that it's a great DVD. I recommend it to everybody, but it's a few years old. Mm-hmm. And here you're matching it up to the 2017 market. And you're like, these guys are right. You know, yeah. Sykes is right. Gratani's right. Crook is right. Bowen's right. It's the same stuff over and over. Now, it won't be biotechs. It might be shippers or it might be weed or it might be blockchain, but it's the same repeating stuff yeah. over and over again. And so that takes us to this November where I, I started really becoming consistent, consistently profitable. Uh, and then I took it to the next level and I, what, what am I missing now? And it was stats. I don't have stats. Ducks has stats. Tim Grittani has stats. I don't have stats. Right. And that's because of my due diligence. I'm not very organized. I'm not very good at Excel. It seemed like a, a challenge, you know, as a, which is weak thought process in my mind. Right. Um, so I was like, all right, I got to start tackling this. I got to start making stats. And so far, the stats that I've created for certain days, for certain setups, have helped me guide me along my trade. That These stats help me realize whether the trade's on my side, whether it's acting the way I want it to act, or whether it's not. Right. And when a majority of the time they act one way and because of my stats, and then this day that it's not acting that way, I know that I, the trade's not working out. Right. And so that's helped my confidence, and it's helped my covers at certain areas become more appropriate because I know generally where the stock should close, what I should expect, instead of just guesstimating, right. which used to be a thing. I think so much in some, something that I try and talk about in, in, on the podcast and in Stocks to Trade Pro is, I mean, a lot of trading is what you don't do. You know, if, if you can avoid stuff that doesn't work for you, if you, if you buying breakouts doesn't work for you, you avoid that, that can make a huge difference. And, and, and yeah, it's hard because trading, you sit there at that computer for eight hours. You, you want to do something. You want to press some buttons. But if you've got those stats and you know, you're like, well, this is just nothing that works for me. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a flat day versus a down 500 day or a down 1,000 day. And now you're not taking that two steps for, or one step forward, two step back. Right. Type thing. And so to go off that, uh, I didn't mention this, but very important to mention. In August, right around the time that I started becoming really profitable, I decided 
to only short. I decided, I know you, in my stats, I'm not good at longs. Okay. For whatever reason, I get scared. I don't get the right entry. Support's not as easy as me to, to guesstimate as a top is. Mm-hmm. So I understood tops. I understood overextension. And so I said to myself, stop longing because you suck at it <laughs> and start shorting. And what I realized in making that transition to cut out all of my longs was that sometimes where I would try to long a breakout, it would be a perfect short setup. And I would long it, I would lose money, and it would end up being a perfect short setup. So I realized if I take out the longs and just think only short, only short, I'm not going to miss that short setup. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lose money on the long that didn't work. And since I'm more profitable with my shorts, since I'm more confident, I understand them more, I should only be shorted. Longing doesn't make sense. Yep. And so taking out the whole idea that I could long, like there wasn't even a thought that came in my head, long this stock. No, it was short no matter what. I wasn't going to long. No, ma- no matter what Roland did, I wasn't going to long a stock. Right. <laughs> I was going to short. And that was huge. And then I realized what shorts I was better at than the other shorts, you know? Shorting parabolics, that's a really tough move to make. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. But when, when trend reverses around a red-green move, that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. And so I started realizing what are the layups, what are the stronger ones, what are the harder ones, what should I use size, what should I not use size. You know, feelers are fun. You know, we're all a little bit of an addict. Yep. It's, it's an yep. adrenaline rush. So sometimes you're going to throw out some feelers, but you got to know what is worthy of, you know, placing down your bet. Yeah, I think one of the biggest temptations is I always call it like the hand on the stove. Everybody, new guys, they all want to short the parabolics. Yeah. And that works. You know, but it, it's it's hard. And, hard. and yeah, if you can wait for that, you know, high a day reject, the late day fade, the green to red on a stock that's been up, you know, so many days in a row, those are the high percentage setups where guys get in trouble is they short that front side of that move. Yeah. If they tried shorting Ford today, they were in trouble. Yep. And and then they also don't have the discipline yet. They haven't spent the two years to see the charts and know what these things can do. Right. If, you, if you've seen a Dries or you've seen a KBIO or any of these other ones, you know that if this thing ain't working, I got to get out. I'm gonna get the hell and out. that's <laughs> what the new guys don't do. They, they, haven't, they haven't been through those night or, or whether or not. I mean, I wasn't in KBIO, but I know guys that were. You know, and, and so I'm like, hey, if this low float stock is pushing high day, high day, high day, and I'm short, this is not something I want to stay in. And right. that's where the new guys get burned. And I also think the hard thing for new guys is when you do see that parabolic, that FOMO word, <laughs> regardless, and you see Tim Gratani or Ducks and they short at the top and you're just like, all right, it's possible. Yep. But what new guys don't really realize is that's a hard short. The next day when it shows clear trend reversal, yes. <laughs> that's the easy short. Yep. But the patience or the in the moment or the minute by minute just watching it, you, you, you lose sight of the global picture that... It will have a trend reversal. It's just a matter of when and waiting for it. Right. And getting the top of a parabolic short is just insanely, it's insanely tough. Yeah, I mean, day one, low float stocks, parabolic, you can make money shorting them, but man, it's, it's hard. It and, happens, but yeah. And it'll, 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 it's blown up many a new trader. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why we, t- and I say it till I'm blue in the face, but it's like, just wait till day two, day three. There's still plenty of money to be made yeah. on these. And if you know your setups, you're going to be able to hit day two or day three because yep. it'll show the setup. So you had a, a good day while we're here at Market Mastery yesterday. What what was the what was the play? Was it a short? What was the, what was the setup? It's so like yesterday setup. was actually really exciting because it was a long setup. Oh, nice. And I I like it. so obviously, uh, you know, now that we're you know 
six months removed from August, like I, I do like to try out some longs, especially in such a bullish market. Right. It's almost foolish not to. Yep. Uh, so I've been tracking all the pot stocks for the past three weeks, and I really have a good grasp on how they move. Uh, you know, Tim Gratani always talks about in his webinars, you throw out a ticker, and he goes, I haven't watched it, I can't give you any advice. And whether it fits a pattern or not, he hasn't watched it, he can't give you advice. Yeah, that's something I talk about all the time is, you know, keeping your notes, keeping your notebooks, Evernote, writing stuff down. I always, always say, avoid the random stocks. I mean, if it's just a runner and you're like, I've never seen this ticker, try and avoid that. But if you've been watching this thing for multiple days, I mean, if it's XNET and you're like, this stock goes red to green every day because you've been watching it for months, that's where your edge is. Right. You trade random tickers that pop up, you might do okay, but, but it's someone much... someone else has the edge on you. Exactly. Someone's because... got the drop and you're going to get dropped. Very well put, yeah. <laughs> um, and so... Pot N is, you know, if I'm going to buy a breakout chart, like like, like I said, uh, longing is not my strategy. Sure. So if I am going to long a stock, it's got to be picture freaking perfect. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a 52-week, an all-time high. It's got to have no resistance overhead. It's got to have the volume. Which is exactly what we talked right? about a little while ago. Yep. It's got to have volatility. <laughs> and so Pot N showed all that yesterday. That it, it is extended, but it has had two weeks of consolidation in between 18 and 30. Um, and it held 29, which was the breakout for the whole day yesterday. And so on dips, I was getting in as close as I could to 29. And just like they always do, once, especially with OTCs, late day, once all the volume comes back yep. into the market and everyone notices there's a breakout happening, it goes. And so Pot N went from 29 cents to 36 at the close. And I longed it, Tim Sykes longed it, and it was great trade yep yep and that was what like a three thousand dollar profit or, or three thousand nice nice yeah that's, that's... um i was also long thct which was a beautiful oh, otc yeah, yep, yep. see i was thinking that was the one you were in but but you got out of that i early. wasn't i was yeah yep, that's right okay <laughs> i had a, i had five thousand shares at a dollar five okay uh bought in on the dip because the breakout was at a dollar went down a dollar five it was a little illiquid so i didn't want to take any kind of crazy size and a dollar five to a dollar it's a five percent chase from the breakout so sure. You know, at most, if I'm if I'm going to lose, it's going to be five percent. That's kind of big for me personally. So I got in at dollar five and into the market close. I was kind of watching. So so my plan for the day was to let pot end, to buy pot end on the breakout, let it close, and use red green the next day as my risk. I had the exact same plan for THCT: buy the breakout and use red green the next day as my as my risk because I watched all the pot stocks go pot stocks go in the past three weeks. And they'd set their first green day, and then the next day, they would not break red-green and fly. Right. So with the possibility of them not breaking red-green and flying, well, I knew if it broke red-green, trade was over. Get out. And I knew that if it didn't close, if it closed anywhere above $1.05, I'm making profit. Yep. So it was a good risk-reward situation. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, I threw up another ticker on my chart as, you know, so many people have made this mistake before. I threw up ACBFF on my chart. It's not a stock I'm not watching at all throughout the whole day. But it is a marijuana stock. It is, yeah. And it has been a sector leader in the past, which yeah. is why my mind tricked me into kind of watching it. And it was kind of breaking out. Which is a, a good thought process. It's a, good, it's a sound it thought good. process. Yeah. And I saw it starting to fail as Pot N and THCT started popping off. And so, and, and so I thought, okay, I'm already from $1.05. THCT at this time was at $1.20. I was thinking 10 to 15% gains right there. And pot N was from 29 cents. I was at 32. Again, I was thinking 10, 15% gains. And I saw ACBFF crashing. And so I took my gains. And that wasn't an intelligent sale, thinking back, because 
like I said, my plan was to let them close right? and use red green as my risk the next day. And that's, that's again, something I talk about all the time is, you know, you, you had your idea, you had your plan and you let an outside source influence ACBFF you. never had anything to, regardless of the strong price action, some sector leader was having that day, which it only had at the end of the day. That was never the plan throughout the whole day. Right, These exactly. stocks were acting completely You, you never mentioned own. ACBFF right. anywhere in your thought process. And yeah. so I let this outsider of a stock just completely influence myself, which that's not very intelligent. Which is, is very common in you know chat rooms, yeah. stock twits, Twitter, etc. You have your own idea, your idea is working, and then you're, you know, you're, you're letting it grind up, and then you start reading stuff, you start looking around, you get somebody saying yeah. this is coming, that is coming, and then, then you let that outside source violate your plan. The worst so, thing to do is go to stock twits and, yeah, yeah, exactly. and, then, and then it's just like, oh my God, there's, <laughs> there's news coming out, wait, there's not news, oh, there's a financing, oh, what are they all talking about? Um, but yeah, so I ended up selling THCT at a dollar twenty right before it went to a dollar eighty in the next five minutes. So, so yeah, if, if 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 you want to look that ticker up, at THTC on THCT. Yep, yep. On January eighteenth, went from you know one twenty to one eighty in what ten minutes or something minutes, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ridiculous. So, so now, what? How many shares did you have? So I had, I had five thousand five hundred at dollar five. Okay. So had I at least let them ride till the, the close, which was the plan, red green. At a dollar eighty, uh, that would have been fantastic profit. Sure, sure, fantastic. <laughs> but um, you know, it, 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 you, you never want to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game, you know, right. or, or you learn from it. But know? I do want to so, play the stick to my plan game. Yes, because yeah. that that is why that's that's how I would have made profit. If I, that's a lot. A lot of traders sticking to the plan is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Tim Grittani always says this, and I, I love Tim Grittani quotes. Uh, have a plan, trust the setup. Yep. And, and that's so crucial to, to everything, you know, trust the plan, have a setup. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, and again, that's how you get better too, because once you take in outside sources, other information, you'll learn from them. But once you're in that trade, it's your trade and nothing else should influence that. You, know, yeah. you should have it all. You should have your, I call it like an if then statement, like in programming. If this happens, I do this. If this happens, I do this. Yeah. This is my stop. This is my goal. Avoid, avoid the noise. I've given presentations about that in trading. <laughs> so, so that's awesome. Now, where are, let's fast forward to today. Um, you're still in school. Then? Still in school. Okay. So what's your, what's your kind of goals and, and what do you, what do you plan on doing in the future? Uh, that's a good question. So I'm, I'm actually figuring that out right now. I graduate USF in May. Okay. So you're close on graduation. All right. Yeah. I, I love stock trading. And it's pretty much the only thing I really, at this age, that I really love, you know, and I'm sure that can change in the next five, 10 years, you know, big picture. But for now, I kind of want to pursue what I've been going after for the past two and a half, three years. I mean, I think that's a smart move. Sure. I also have the degree behind it. So the question is, you know, after I graduate, do I want to go work for a hedge fund? Do I want to make some cold calls? Do I want to continue my trading? Uh, It's a hard question. Uh, And my goals were never about you know, a dollar amount. It right. was always about being successful. I yeah. saw an opportunity to take Learning advantage the of process. and getting, learn the process. Getting good exactly. at something. Yeah. Yep. And so that is my real and only goal right now. And I want to take that into, well, I mean, the whole life story is I, <laughs> I want to move to London. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. In theory. All right. Um, Why London? So I'm a kind of person where if I get set in my ways, if I get comfortable, I start deteriorating. Okay. Yep. If I have a bunch of good friends that I love and I have a lot of fun with and I get really used to all that, 
that's bad. Okay. I, I get into some poisonous habits. Okay. And so as I'm graduating college, I know that I need to leave those habits okay. behind. I need to go meet new people. I got to expand my comfort zone. Which again, this is the time to do it. You right. Know, you're young. You know, you've got no commitments. And I can trade anywhere in the world. Yeah, you can trade anywhere in the world. So sure. it's time for me to expand my horizon and I need to get somewhere where I, I'm not going to feel comfortable. Sure. So I, that's, a, that's an awesome attitude. I love yeah. that. And so I'm a West Coast boy. I was born in Los Angeles, born and raised, moved to San Francisco for school. It's time to go to the East Coast. Okay. Or further. Sure. <laughs> um, New York is an option because that's the finance sector. That would be ideal. Yep. Um, London would be a cool option because I would like to apply to some master's programs out well, there. Well, and obviously London is another financial center of the world yep. as well. So. so my goal is to be profitable enough in stock trading so that I could apply to somewhere like the London School of Economics and say, hey, this is what I've done. This is the kind of person I am. But I want to learn more. Awesome. And see if you know a, a kick-ass trading portfolio with a kick-ass resume with a kick-ass GPA can get me in there. So trading is a means for me to get into masters. Interesting. Uh, at the end of the day, I really I mean the money's money. Okay. I mean, everyone, yeah, money's well, money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, I love that you've got that planned out. I wish I was. I wish I was that smart when I was twenty-three. I thank my dad for that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, know dad. If, I don't know if I had any goals beyond tomorrow when I was twenty-three. But my dad always tells me have a ten-year plan. Okay, awesome. So this is part of the ten-year path. I, I wouldn't say it's set in stone because you know I'm only I'm twenty-three. I really don't know. Sure. But I have a general direction, and I'm gonna pursue that. Cool. Well, hey, I appreciate it, Mike. It was nice meeting you. Pleasure. It's a great story. And. Yeah. Uh, Make sure, well, you know, we'll, we'll connect and, and man, it'd be awesome to maybe have you back in a few months and yeah. maybe when you're living in London at your hedge fund, we'll follow <laughs> up with you again. Yeah, so. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, man. Cool. Hi, this is Jeremy from Zimbabwe, Africa, uh, currently living in Texas, and I like to clean the house. I actually dumped my wife sits in the room next to me, but uh, brownie points, you know what I mean? Well, listening to Stephen and Tim on the Steady Trade Podcast. Uh, You can register to win real, actual prizes at their website, steadytrade.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a glowing review on iTunes like I did. And this is how we say goodbye in Zimbabwe. How was was Miami? It was good. Good. Bowen had this really bad experience. He was really excited to go visit this zoo in Miami, and he went to it, and there was only a single dog there. He's like, man, this is really a shit zoo. Are you sure that was a zoo? Was it really a zoo? It, it was like a shih tzu. Talking. It was a shih tzu. There was only one oh dog. It was God. a shih tzu. That's the worst, worst joke I've ever heard. While you were trying to get your video and audio, I was having to listen to Tim Bowen jokes. <laughs> what, what, why did the Mexican throw his wife over the bridge? Tequila. <laughs> Where's the best place to dance in California? San Francisco. Oh, <laughs> what, what's the difference between an elephant and a matter baby? What's a matter baby? <laughs> Nothing. What's the matter with you, Tim? Oh, fuck! <laughs> I totally uh, I, fell for it! I totally, I totally I got out of it. I can't believe I fucking fell for it.